Welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey. Built by Par Lumber. Go where the builders go. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have the know-how and the answers to make your life a bit easier. So here they are, the hosts of the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got a great show lined up for you. You know, Tony, uh, September is National Preparedness, Emergency Preparedness Month. That's right. And, uh, you know, we've talked about emergency preparedness on this show a lot. I feel like we've talked about it a lot lately. You know, so this month kind of crept up on us and we're like, man, we have to do something about emergency preparedness. Right. But uh, I want to take a different approach today. No, I think that's a great idea. We, we talk a lot about um, building first aid kits and storing water and those types of things that you would do in the event of a natural disaster. But a natural disaster is not the only reason that you need to be prepared. And there are other things that you need to do to be prepared for everything. I'm I think, Corey, we get a little bit too caught up on those natural disaster things that uh, could potentially come down the road, but really you need to be prepared for whatever comes. I feel very strongly that um, zombie apocalypse is right upon us, and uh, preparing for that is a little bit different than preparing for a natural disaster. Absolutely. So uh, what are we going to talk about on the show then? Zombies. Zombie apocalypse? I think we should just talk about zombies, and uh, and then that we would be just preparing for that. <laughs> I think we should talk about something a little more feasible, you know, because uh, like you said, when the natural disasters occur, but there's also uh, things that are dangers that probably you don't think about every day. Well, some people do, but, uh, you know, a nuclear bomb attack. Ooh. Or uh, World War Three. Yikes. You know, people think about these things, you know, especially in the uh, the crazy world we live in. You know, uh, I think people want to be prepared. Yeah, like a, you're talking about more like a, a neighborhood uprising or something like that. Yeah, you never know. You just don't. With, well, the, with, the, with what goes on in our state, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> well, what kind of things specifically are on your mind that... Uh, that people can do to be better prepared for something besides just a natural disaster. Well, let's talk about building a bunker or, I mean, or like a, a fallout shelter. You know how to build a bunker or a fallout shelter? Well, no, I don't, (laughs) but I've done the research and I've, uh, I've kind of compiled a list of the most important things to consider when building a bunker. Things to consider when building an underground bunker. Did you say underground? Uh, I don't know if I said underground, but that's what I meant. Underground bunker. An underground bunker. Something that is um, hidden from the people that are around you. Something that is um, hard to see or that people might not know is there. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You don't want people to know it's there because consider this. Say, say you have built a bunker for four people to live for a period of time. A period of two months, let's say. Wow. Yeah, well, you got to be prepared. So say you've built a a bunker for four people, and, you know, the guy down the street says, man, I saw Tony building that bunker. Uh, We need help. I'm going to go knock on his door and tell him I need help. Well, 
you know, it puts you in a bad spot because you want to help everybody. You know, you want to just say, okay, everybody in the bunker. But where's that put you, right? What if they have six people and you have four, and now all of a sudden you've got 10 people crammed into a space that's supposed to house four for two months. Now you've got 10 people in there that, you know, what, three weeks? (laughs) You know, and there's a lot of things to consider, which uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. Wow, that is a lot to think about. It's kind of a scary uh, notion, actually, when you think about that. I mean, if you think about any kind of a natural disaster, it's a scary notion. But um, taking on the responsibility of building an underground bunker seems like a huge undertaking. I, I absolutely agree. And I don't think building an underground bunker is something that the average person would do. I really don't. It's not really a weekend warrior project. No. I looked it up and I went to a lot of websites and I did a lot of research on how to build one. I was like, let's talk about how to build one. But the fact of the matter is, they are, I mean, they're bomb shelters. I mean, there's concrete and steel. I mean, you have to get cranes to move things in. And on top of that, you need to know how they go together so that you don't have failures. Because if you're in there and there's a failure, then you're in a lot more trouble of being underground. Can't you just buy like a a big giant steel rail car and bury it in the ground and put a snorkel in it and a set of stairs that goes down to it and (laughs) put a bush over top of the door and and, uh, then just start carrying stuff down there? You know, I actually, this thing that I was reading said that is the absolute worst thing you could ever do. Because storage containers, or not storage containers, but like uh, shipping containers, that's kind of a popular thing that people talk about. Well, I'll bury a shipping container and use that for a fallout shelter. Well, the problem is they're not meant to have any sort of weight on top of them. Shipping containers are built to distribute weight along the edges. So if if you pile thousands of pounds of dirt on top of them, they could collapse. Interesting. That's what this uh, doomsday prepper that I was kind of reading about said. And it makes sense. Man, I, I just can't. Where where in the world would you even start? If you, Let's say we decided that we were going to, you and I together, are going to build a, uh, an underground bunker um, for our families, for your family and my family. We've decided we're going to do it. We've, we've got... Uh, a piece of property, let's say we wanted to put it in one of our backyards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you just dig a hole in your backyard and start building a f- underground bunker in your backyard? You cannot. That is another thing that you need to uh, consider because you need to have permits to dig in the ground like that and, and install any kind of structure. So most places, if, if say you live in a suburban neighborhood, you probably won't be able to get permits. For something like that. So you have to consider that. You you probably will need acreage. You'll you'll need to have land that you can go out and, you know, dig out and build uh, an underground bunker. So we would have to go together and buy a piece of property somewhere and then begin the structure or begin the construction on that structure on that piece of property somewhere, probably. But we definitely are going to have to have permits to do that. Absolutely. I can't even really... Uh, Put my wrap my mind around the whole process of the thing, but I'm super excited about understanding more about it and 
where we would even start. Yeah, it's definitely a a subject that probably doesn't get talked about much, you know, outside of the uh, prepper community. Uh, But, you know, you hear about it a lot. You know, I I listen to the radio. I have AM stations and I hear a lot of commercials for, you know, being prepared and having emergency food kits. You know, when you start looking into that stuff, there's more and more about, you know, filtration systems and blast doors. When's the last time you looked at blast doors? <laughs> yeah, I was just shopping for some recently, but I didn't find one that was affordable. <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about things to consider when building an underground bunker. You're listening to Tony Core, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Joe, thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about things to consider when building an underground bunker or fallout shelter. Uh, not something we've uh, ever talked about before, but, you know, some people think about it. Uh, Tony and I don't know a ton about this, but we've done some research, and uh, we've come up with a list of things that are the most important things to think about if you're going to build one. We definitely know it's not a DIY project. Yeah, it's not. Definitely not. It's it's different in in several ways because of most of the things that we talk about we've actually done, uh, but this is just one of the things that we're that we think about. It's something that we've talked about doing. It's something we've talked about um, the feasibility of doing something like this. And if we're thinking about it, then then maybe you're thinking about it. So we thought we would uh, talk to you about it. Uh, you know the th- the thoughts that we've had and, and the things that we've come up with which are things that you should certainly consider. The first thing, Corey, uh, I mean, obviously the first thing you have to consider is the structure itself and how you're going to build it, what it's going to be made of, how big it's going to be, where you're going to do it, uh, getting permits, and all of the things that are um, really surrounding the actual structure itself. I mean, how how do you decide how big it has to be? I guess you first decide how long you think you might have to be in there. Yeah, you know, and I don't know the magic number. Uh, obviously, uh, if you're concerned about nuclear, if the, you know, a nuclear bomb hitting, uh, you know, that, that fallout from that, that nuclear fallout can last a long time. So I think the longer, the, or the more you think you need, the better. I kind of think of it like this. I think of it as a place where you need to be able to be safe in the event of an emergency situation, whatever that emergency situation is, a place where you can be safe and develop your next plan. How long do you think you would need to be in a safe place that you can get to quickly in order to develop your next plan? It's obviously not going to be something where you can stay indefinitely, but you need to have some time to develop your plan. Like that movie with Christopher Walken. Yeah, that's right. A blast from the past. Uh, he took a really long time to develop his plan, like 20 years. Uh, but uh, 
I wouldn't want to stay in a fallout shelter for 20 years. I don't think uh, I don't think it's a feasible. I don't think it's feasible. <laughs> um, but certainly there uh, something that Corey and I looked at uh, that somebody had noted was the rule of threes. And in the rule of threes, you get three minutes without air, three days without water, three weeks without food, and three years without insanity. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember what the fourth three was. <laughs> that sounds about right. Sanity. <laughs> three years of ins- of sanity. Um, but three you, weeks without food. Yeah. Well, you know, twenty one days seems to be the um, seems to be the magic number when it comes to that. You have you ever heard of that show called Naked and Afraid? Yeah. Sure. Sure. That they are. Those are always twenty one day challenges. I think because they're afraid if they go to twenty two days, they're going to have contestants that. Uh, maybe don't survive it or, or something like that. But they say 21 days. So there's a, a first place to start. But of course, you're going to have food in there. Um, so the one thing that goes the quickest, right, is uh, three minutes. You can only go three minutes without air. So I'm thinking that we probably should address air first. Uh, if you're going to build a shelter and it's going to be underground and you're going to lock yourself in there without thinking, you've built it and it's there and uh, you're going to lock yourself in there without thinking. The very first thing that you're going to have to have is air. You're right. The The amount and, of well, air that's, that's in there when you go in is not going to last you for very long. Probably. Well, and the thing about a fallout bunker is you can't just, you know, have a tube that goes up to get fresh air. Well, you could, but if depending on what's going on out there, uh, that might not uh, that might not serve you. Well, <laughs> you're absolutely right. <laughs> so uh, you want to get... A an air filtration system. Uh, they, a lot of these people call them NBCs. They have that's uh, nuclear, bio, and chemical uh, air filtration systems. They're specially made uh, to filter out all of that stuff down to 120 nanometers. So I, I don't even know how big that is. That's small. It is small. It's in almost infinitesimal. No, I mean not infinitesimal. I said almost. Oh, almost. <laughs> well, it's pretty <laughs> tiny. Yeah, it's small. Uh, so yeah, a properly properly um, functioning filter would be a, an absolute necessity, especially if the air outside is filled with chemical or something. Yeah, contaminants. So yeah, you want that's the first thing you want to consider uh, is buying an air filtration system. And what they recommend is to buy your infiltration system before you plan out your bunker because you need the specs for that specific unit and how it pipes, how it wires, how all of that stuff goes together uh, because building these things is very intense and there's a lot of concrete and a lot of steel. So the last thing you want to do is get a unit that doesn't fit in the space that you've allotted for it or you you have to start drilling holes you know, because it's very difficult. It's like a bank vault, essentially. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have to take into consideration how many people are going to be in there. And then, of course, the air infiltration system is not going to be, um, it's not going to be a passive system. It's going to require some sort of uh, power or something to run it. Well, yeah, you're right. You know, that is another thing you have to consider. Uh, if, if power does go down, uh, there are several ways to run... Um, any sort of replacement power or by itself, you can use solar panels, 
uh, but solar panels aren't always recommended because an EMP, which is an electromagnetic pulse, is known to destroy uh, the electronics on a solar panel. So some people look at getting uh, small generators to you know, run. You gotta obviously have to make sure that those are vented properly uh, and that you have fuel for them. But uh, the other thing you'll probably want to look at is a battery system to, yeah. run, to run your air infiltration. Uh, there's even hand-operated air filtration systems. So let's go back to the solar panel. If you've decided that you're going to use utilize a solar panel to recharge the batteries that you're using to run your air infiltration system, filtration, air, it's not anti-infiltration. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> uh, air filtration system. Um, and you said that they're susceptible to an EMP. Well, what are you expecting that there will be an uh, an electromagnetic pulse that's Ooh. distributed out? Well, there's a lot of theories about EMP is that they can even come from space or uh, more notably the uh, country launched a nuclear rocket and it exploded in our atmosphere that it could cause an EMP and knock out all of our electronics. Yikes. So when we were reading about the EMP, uh, we read that uh, maybe you want to have a sacrificial solar panel. That's installed there, that is uh, operating. Always keeping your batteries charged. And it's keeping your batteries charged. And then in the event of an EMP, you could have already purchased a replacement solar panel or some replacement solar panels that you keep down in the bunker with you. Yes, shielded from the EMP. Shielded from the EMP with uh, aluminum foil, I think it said. And That's what you make your hat out of. Aluminum (laughs) foil to keep my brain... uh, From scrambling. Right. Um, and then, of course, in the event of an EMP, you would be able to replace your solar panel, and then maybe they would only, uh, maybe you would only suffer from the EMP one time, and not multiple well, EMP hope. attacks. Let's hope. We are very, very concerned about multiple EMP attacks. So, but batteries, right? Batteries is what you would use. And we actually looked at uh, one battery setup from an air filtration system that said it could go for thirty days. 30 days is a long time on those batteries before they have to be recharged. Maybe maybe there's a way, Corey, um, and if there isn't, we might need to invent this, um, a way to recharge those batteries. We we will be talking about that inventive way when we come back. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your Weekend Warriors. Don't go away. The Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about building a bunker. Well, we're well, talking well, about things to consider when building a bunker. Yeah, exactly. We're things not, to consider. We're not actually telling you how to build a bunker. There are a lot of ways to do that and a lot of... Well, a lot of things to consider when you're doing it. So we're talking about the things to consider when you're doing it instead of giving you a set of plans to build a bunker. That's really what we need, Corey, is a set of plans 
to build a bunker. But we don't have that. So instead, <laughs> we're going to just talk about things to consider. Uh, we were talking about um, if, if you're building a bunker, right, and, and you know that you have to have air in there because you only get three minutes without air, and that's if you're Aquaman or yeah. really good at holding your breath. So you got you to gotta take care of that. And, of course, there are filtration systems that you can install in your bunker that will um, – bring you fresh air. You have to consider that. And also one of the things we wanted to mention is you'll want to stock up, of course, on air filters that go in the filtration system in order to keep that air clean. And you won't be able to just run out and grab them, assumingly. (laughs) Uh, So you want to have those with you. And then uh, Corey says also a good thing to have in there is a gas mask, a gas mask, a high quality gas mask. We've seen them for a hundred bucks, something that filters out radioactive particles. Again, air is not radioactive, but the particles in the air is, and a good gas mask will separate the radioactive particles from the air, leaving you with fresh air to breathe. Yeah. Makes makes the most amount of sense, right? <laughs> yes. So just in case you need to make a mad dash to the outhouse, a gas mask is a good thing to have when you leave your bunker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, interestingly enough, talking about the waste, right, or the, or the, the garbage <laughs> that you collect in a bunker. Yeah. You know, we, we haven't really talked about that, and it's not really even on our list, but, I mean, you have to consider that. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking about some... Where are you going to go potty? I'm thinking about some some tall kitchen garbage bags and a five-gallon bucket, probably, <laughs> uh, something. But then you got to... sit you in know, the corner and tell everybody to look away. Maybe you need to, uh, maybe you need to build an evacuation system, right, that that's sort of has a, a vacuum, and when you open up the door, it... <laughs> You can just it out. Yeah, you can just throw the bag after you're done with it right in the thing like, and like just the space station spits it out into the, in the, into the uh, yeah into the open. I mean, if it's your property, why not, right? You know, like know you, you come that. out three months later and there's just this big pile of black plastic <laughs> bags <laughs> next to the door. Um, we also were talking about the batteries that your air filtration run on. If they were twelve volt batteries, oh yeah, or you said you had a great idea. I did. You know, um, if your solar thing doesn't work out to recharge your batteries, eventually they're going to have to be recharged. I mean, even if they last 30 days, at some point uh, they need to be recharged. We need to invent a way to uh, have like a a stationary bike, you know, like a spin bike Mm -hmm. uh, and hook that up to our batteries so that every morning we get our exercise and uh, we're recharging our batteries for our air filtration system at the same time. That's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. We could make millions I'm not sure the need for a bicycle-powered bunker battery charging <laughs> bicycle. Maybe not enough to make us rich, huge. huh? Yeah, well, it's a good idea. Maybe if we sell them for a million dollars a piece. Yeah, trademark. We might. Uh, patent. Uh, so, okay, Corey, we get, that's our first three minutes. We addressed our first three minutes in the bunker, and that was air, right? You only, got, you only get three minutes without air, so we've addressed the air. Now you've got uh, three days. Three days without water. So we need to address the water issue next. And yep. I, I mean, my first thought is when we're building the bunker, we're going to run a hose down there, fill up a big old, uh, you know, 50 gallon drum or something of uh, clean, fresh water, and then cap that off. And, and we just have to figure out a way to get it out of the barrel every time we want a glass of water. <laughs> I, like a, one of those giant barrels just holding it up. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> Not too much, not too much. We've only got 50 gallons to last us 30, 30 days. <laughs> well, you know, the experts say that filling up a drum of water isn't the best scenario. 
once you run out, you run out. Right. So you want to But you got a gas mask, so if you got to make a trip to the lake or the pond... (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Uh, Well, they say that the best is to have a well that pumps fresh water in from underground. Uh, That way it's not affected by the radioactive particles. That might have to be a manual pump, otherwise you're using those batteries again. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Now we're going to need two spin bikes. A manual pump. That's a great idea. Manual pump to pump... uh, But that you're going to need to be filtered water, of course, otherwise it's going to taste like dirt. Well, yeah, once it comes in, you want to run it through the same filters that you would normally. Right, yeah, that makes perfect sense. But it definitely makes more sense to try to have a freshwater connection that allows you um, infinite freshwater instead of a, a drum that would have to eventually be refilled. Yeah, I wouldn't rely necessarily on city water because, I mean, like if... Here in the Pacific Northwest, we're looking at, you know, maybe the uh, the Cascadia subduction zone or the big earthquake that's going to happen. Well, if that happens... That water's going to be contaminated. Yeah, well, and our infrastructure will be toast. And yeah. you're not res- necessarily going to get pressure from uh, your city water. Yeah. So you're going to want to think about a well. Yeah. In okay. my opinion, a well is probably the best bet. I agree with that. Well water seems to be the best bet. Okay, so three days. We've got water now. We're good to go. Um, the next one is, is, uh, is three weeks. Food. You go three weeks without food. I mean, I don't want to be in a shelter for three weeks without food, but that is, that is what they say is, is possible, but we're going to have food down there. So we won't have to worry about not having it. Yeah. And the experts say that you should have more than you think you need. If you're good, if you're planning on four people for a month, probably double that. Wow. Because the, the, the food that you can, you can buy pre-packaged uh, food that you can get that's uh, freeze-dried and all those things that you don't need to cook, you don't need to, you know, heat up or anything. And that's really the way to go because if you have to get things that require heating up or cooking, uh, then you're using uh, electricity that you might not have or, you know, water that you might not have. So think about those things. Yeah. And then if you use, <laughs> I mean, if you have like primarily canned food, right? Those cans, I mean, you're going to end up with just like bags and bags and bags of cans uh, from all the food. Or well, a can crusher. That's probably a that's a that's a good, yeah. That's what you want in your in your bunker for four people. Make sure you have a can crusher in there. <laughs> my mind goes to Corey to when I was a youngster. When I was a youngster, my dad was in the military, and uh, my dad would come home with MREs. You ever heard of or seen MREs? Yes. I don't know. What what does MRE stand for? Well, I mean, I don't know. I Our listeners maybe could let us know. Um, some military ration, uh, probably something along those lines. Um, but he would come home with... Meal, meals ready to eat. Oh, hey, that makes perfect sense. Meals ready to eat. He would come home with these uh, rations and they would be in um, green, you know, plastic uh, sort of packaging. And um, I, I was so excited to tear that open and get in there and eat. And, you know, the only thing that I ever found in there I think that was any good were, like, crackers and some jelly. But there's a bunch of freeze-dried food and stuff in there. But really, um, if you were to stock up on meals ready to eat, um, most of the refuse from that after you're done eating it are uh, easier to um, take up a smaller space when you discard it. Yeah, well, it's about survival. Right. I, I wonder if they have pizza. MRE pizza? <laughs> that just sounds like it would be gross. <laughs> I don't know. It might be good, I, I think. Um, but definitely you need to think about how many people are feeding and how long you think you might be in there and then decide how much food that's going to take and then double it. That's what I say. Is that what you think? I mean, I would probably, in my case, in order to make sure that I had enough food 
um, I would probably make the bed that I'm going to be sleeping in out of canned food, like maybe tuna or something. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> and a, then as you eat, a, it gets lumpier. A thousand cans then... of tuna that I made my bed out of so that I could have as much space as possible and still lots and lots of food. Yeah. With my luck, though, what would happen is I would be in the bunker. I would have years worth of food and water and no can opener. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying that's me. Yeah. Right. That would be you, actually. Yeah, that would be me. All yeah. right. The last thing on our necessity list for uh, for building a bunker is thinking about... Really, it's this is equipping. Equipping. Equipping your bunker. <laughs> is escaping. You have to think about escape routes because if there's whatever situation you're in, uh, i.e. World War Three or something like that, and someone has discovered your bunker mm-hmm. and they're trying to get in Yikes. the main entrance and, uh, you know, like, uh, what's the zombie show? Uh, Walking Dead. Walking Dead. And yeah. all, all the zombies are piled up at the door trying to get in. Like hundreds of zombies. You got to have an escape route to get out the back. Yeah. So they, they say that you should have two doors, one entrance and one exit. And But they should both be secret. Really? Well, but sure. Is one going to be more secret than the other? Yeah, the exit would be more secret because that's <laughs> your escape route. Yeah, the escape route is extra, extra secret, like the Bat Cave kind of. Uh, but I definitely understand that. Uh, more than one way out is important in case something happens to the entrance. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. We got to take another quick break. When we come back, more things to consider when building an underground bunker. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. The Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Today, we're talking about uh, getting ready uh, for a natural disaster with a bunker, a fallout shelter. Right, Tony? Really, we're talking about things to consider when building an underground bunker. Uh, It may not be a natural disaster. It may be a man-made disaster. The fact is there's so many variables that we just need to do something ahead of time to be prepared for whatever it is that's coming. This is something that that a lot of people talk about. Uh, you've heard of doomsday preppers and that sort of a thing, right? Uh, people who are natural survivalists or want to be survivalists. This is the conversation that they're having. Something uh, that could be coming in the future that we want to be prepared for. And so we're talking about things to consider when building um, your shelter. Right, because the best time to learn about how to prepare for any sort of disaster is not during a disaster, it's before. Right. So by talking about this stuff now, we're, you know, hoping to make sure everybody's prepared. Yeah, you have to plan ahead, obviously, and that's the hardest thing to do. It's like insurance, You know, you buy insurance in the event of something, right? 
it's hard to make the decision to buy insurance unless, of course, it's insurance that's required by law. But uh, that's the thing. You, you, you have to take the time, learn the stuff in order to be prepared when it happens. So we're talking about that to raise awareness so that we're thinking about what we're going to do in the event of. And we're not saying necessarily that we know what the next big thing is going to be for us or for you. You just need to be prepared for whatever may come. And having a place to go or a way to get someplace that you want to go, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So, you know, up until this point, we've kind of been talking about uh, how to get your bunker ready or or things to consider when building a bunker and the sorts of things that you need to incorporate into it or or put into it. We've been talking about hunkering down. Yeah. Yeah. A, a shelter or a fallout shelter or a bunker, whatever you want to call it, is typically going to be uh, on your property or within, you know, an X amount of drive time that you know, might take you an hour or might take you a few minutes. Or hike time. Hike time. So those are the, those. that's called hunkering down, right? right. You're going to hunker down. But there's also something else. And Tony and I want to talk about bugging out yeah, a little bit. It's really the only other alternative. Right. Uh, well, and there's things to consider between bugging out and hunkering down. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many things to consider. Let's just talk about the top, you know, five or six things that you have to consider. The first thing is, what is your personal situation? I mean, um, can can you just leave what you've got right now? Are you are you ready to say, you know what? I'm leaving all of this behind right now for self-preservation. This is what I have to do. This situation is bad enough that I have to get out and be on my feet where I can react at a moment's notice. Well, and I think a lot of that has to do with what is going on. Is there, you know, a natural disaster? Is there a flood? Is there, was there an earthquake? Is your house even standing? Are you considering staying in your home that is so badly damaged by an earthquake that it is potentially unsafe to be even in it? So you have to consider that. Um, The other thing is, you know, what's going on outside? You know, are there riots? Yeah, you know, what do is you the, feel safe even leaving? What is the specific threat that's out there, right? Um, a, a lot of the things that are the reason that would cause you to make this decision is uh, being out away from your home or out of uh, a shelter where you're hunkering down is more dangerous than taking your chances in a 20-foot in a hole in the ground. Well, what about the weather, too? Yeah. I mean, where are you? Are you in Alaska? You know, is it 10 outside or 10 below? Uh, can you even last outside on your on your feet by yourself? Or do you really need to be in a place where you have some sort of heat that can keep you warm? All of those things. What about your, you know, your specific location? Are you living downtown in a second story apartment? Or are you in the country on four or five acres? Um, is there an opportunity for you to stay where you are or do you not have a choice and you've got to get out? Will you be by yourself or do you have dependents that are counting on you to take care of them as well? Well, right. You got to think about your kids. You have to think about your pets. Um, you know, my wife and I actually had this discussion. Uh, we were at the beach a couple weeks ago and we were talking about the tsunami escape routes. 
You know, we actually, we're at a campground and we asked the camp host, we're like, where's the tsunami escape route? You know, he kind of chuckled, but we were dead serious. Yeah. You know, we, we were at a campground that was, you know, below sea level. Now, I don't know if you, you've probably been to this campground. It's a little bit below sea level. So yeah. if there was a tsunami, you need to get to higher ground right now. Right. In seconds matter. So in that application, we're not hunkering down. Right. We're, if you hunker down, you're going to be blown out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy was like, well, you'll want to run. You'll, you'll just want to run. But I tell you right now, where this specific place was, there is no way that you're you can run. Running. Yeah. yeah. You have three to five minutes. I'm going to take my chances in my pickup truck and four wheel drive. Right. That was, that was the situation. We actually had that discussion. Yeah. Plus we have our kids and our pets. So, uh, that's what we're talking about. Here's another thing you have to consider. You have to consider your personal health. Um, are you, uh, are you 20 something or 30 something or are you 50 or 60 something? How long can you actually go with a 75 pound pack on your back, um, on foot out in the open? You know, I mean, can you really do it or do you not have a choice? Do, do, do you really need to hunker down? And is that your best opportunity? That's another very important thing to consider. Yeah. And another thing to consider when you're talking about that, Tony, you mentioned a 75 pound pack. That means that you're prepared. You have a backpack full of all of the essentials you need, essentially a bug out bag. Right. Which is kind of what we're going to, we're going to talk about that a little later. Some of the things that you want to put into a bug out bag, but maybe that's something to consider. Yeah. Have you, do you even have one? Do you have the essentials readily available to you that you will survive out in the open, right? out in the wilderness, you know, depending on what's going on? Is it civil unrest? Is it terrorist? Is it a natural disaster? There's a lot of things to consider there. Yeah. Another really, really big one, and maybe the last big one, um, your destination. If you have decided you're going to bug out and hunkering down is not going to be your best solution, where are you going to go? And how far away is it? And uh, is that something you can do on foot? Or do you have to have some other mode of transportation? I mean, knowing where you're going to go, having made that decision, deciding that it's the right thing, and then determining how you will actually get there, considering the situation that's outside right now. You're right, Tony. And again, going back to what sort of uh, disaster are we hunkering down for or trying to escape? You know, if there's civil unrest, you know, is there somewhere safe that you feel safe going to? How far away is it? Do you need to drive? Are you going to make it there on the amount of fuel that you have in your vehicle? I mean, if there's a natural disaster such a, as an earthquake, you know, are there bridges between you and there? Are those even going to be standing? So these are the sorts of things that you need to consider. Also, you got to be thinking about air quality. Um, are you going to be able to breathe out there? Um, are you going to have to have some sort of a breathing device that, that helps you when you're out there? And if there's dangers out there, everybody's vying for their lives. Do you have personal protection uh, that you're going to use to stay alive while you're out there? Right. All of those things matter so much. And, and you have to consider all those things before you make this decision. When we come back, we're going to be talking about putting together a bug out bag in case that's what you have to do. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back.
Welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey. Built by Par Lumber. Go where the builders go. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have the know-how and the answers to make your life a bit easier. So here they are, the hosts of the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. So uh, this month is National Disaster Prepared Month. Yeah. National Preparedness Month. Right. So uh, Tony and I have been talking about building a bunker. What's more getting prepared than that, right? Right, yeah. Things to consider when building an underground bunker or a backyard bunker. Um, because in the in the event of a natural disaster or whatever that it ends up being, you definitely want to know what your plan is and and uh, have practiced and then be able to execute your plan in order to survive. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to start talking about putting a bug out bag together. But you know, before that, Tony, we should probably think about putting together a doggy bag. Your like maybe your your last meal before you leave the bunker. Right. Uh, if you've decided that you're going to bug out, you need to have one last meal. Really, well, I know, really pack those calories. I in know there. who I want to get my last meal from. Who do you want to get your last meal from? Mr. Barbecue. Oh, yeah. Mr. Barbecue. What's up, my brother? I am doing great. And how are you guys doing? We're awesome. Yeah, we're a little doom and gloom today because we're kind of <sighs> talking about uh, what you're going to do in the event of... Uh, you know, doomsday or apocalypse now or whatever it might be. But, uh, you know, like like Corey said, if if we have to choose a last meal, it's definitely coming oh. from your smoker. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll cook it for you. We'll have to get a <laughs> generator fired up to cook it, though, but we'll be okay. Yeah, we'll you know, be all right. That's right. So we got, I'm sure you guys talked about the essentials, uh, booze, wine, beer. <laughs> <laughs> pappy dogs. And protein. Pappy, pappy dogs. Yeah, yeah, pappy dogs. Yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. So actually, it's funny you uh, uh, bring up all this stuff because what we're making could actually today, what we're going to talk about today, is something you can actually jar, and many people do it, and it'll sit on your shelf for I don't know how long, but I, I you know, I know people do this for at least a year on a shelf. So wow, this would be a good thing to do. So definitely something uh, I want to have in my in my background bunker. Absolutely, my background, so, my my underground bunker. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. What we're going to do, I got inspired by one of the restaurants here in town uh, to do this. And it's not its not like it's never been done or anything like that. But so we went out to dinner and uh, um, we ordered something different off the menu. And so what they what it was, it was a spaghetti meat sauce, but it had really unique ingredients in it. And, you know, it wasn't the, the it wasn't the thinner, you know, lots of sauce thing. It was kind of a meat just a meat red sauce marinara kind of over these noodles. So, but you can do this on the smoker is what I'm getting at. So what we're going to do is we're going to get an iron pan. We've got to go with the iron pans. We love the iron pans. They do a wonderful job. We're going to, so what we're going to do is we're going to actually get uh, some ground beef and we're going to do the 8015 because we're going to get some other fat going on in here. You know, a lot of people like 8020. We're going to get Italian sausage and we're going to get a little uh, chorizo. And then also we're going to get sliced pepperoni. Mm. And sliced pepperoni is going to stay sliced. And what we're going to do is we're going to saute all that, get it all done. But we're going to take it a little bit longer than normal to get a little crispy edge 
around the pepperoni, around the sausage, and around the ground beef. So it's going to add a little different texture than a normal spaghetti sauce, or excuse me, uh, meat sauce. So we want to get those really done. We're going to put some onions in there, and then we're going to add some uh, chopped tomatoes in there. But you can now you can make I've I've got a great recipe for spaghetti sauce, but you can also just drop in you know like uh, prego or uh, something like that. Um, Classico makes some great sauces, but we don't want to go crazy on making it super liquid. We want it kind of kind of held together with with a uh, uh, little less liquid. So we're gonna saute all those up. We're gonna get them all good. You can make your you can make your uh, spaghetti sauce. Um, I I I like to use <clears throat> the Classico stuff and have also use a little bit of the vodka sauce. So they have you can get both vodka and you can also get just regular sauce. Uh, and it has they have like mushrooms, onions, and all that. So um, the mushrooms I do I get the mushroom and olives in it. And so this is the quick easy way. And then we're gonna get the mushroom olives and then we're gonna get a little bit of the vodka sauce and we're gonna mix that all in there. In the meantime, we're gonna boil the noodles. And uh, so we're gonna get the noodles already. So as we apply this and get it done, we're gonna get everything done. We're gonna actually add um, uh, the spaghetti into the, the cat. We're gonna pull everything out of the cast iron pan. We're gonna add the cooked spaghetti sauce in there. And then we're gonna add the, the ingredients uh, and the mixture of the uh, sauce and the sausage and all the meat and the onions and the mushrooms and all that. Put that in there, and then we're going to coat the top with a uh, Parmesan cheese. And so we're going to grate Parmesan cheese across the top. And now you got most of what's already cooking in there. So now we're just trying to get it to really good temperature and have everything mixed. So then we're going to throw it on the smoker. Now we're already, you know, keep in mind we're already doing the sautéing on the smoker and all that because you crank the heat up, we'll do it on that because you get the extra flavor. But when we get the whole pan put together and we get everything in there, we're going to put the cheese on top, and then we're going to throw it in the smoker and let it cook for about 30 minutes and get all that wonderful smoke flavor in there and bake it at 350 for about 30 minutes. When the cheese starts bubbling, you're done. And pull that baby out, let it sit a minute or so, and you've got basically a spaghetti pie. And going back to your doomsday stuff, you can make, the much, uh, you make a lot of extra sauce and can that sauce and actually have it, and it'll probably last a year if you do it correctly and when you can the sauce. That sounds really good. I'd rather have that and then than an MRE. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. And then, you know, if we're talking about that, you can also, this is one of my favorites. Uh, we're getting on a subject, subject a little bit here, but uh, there's nothing better than canned tuna that you do at home. Oh, I've yeah. Had, yeah, I've had homemade canned tuna. Oh. I mean, and you it's can amazing. add everything. You can add, you can put Tabasco in there. You can put garlic in there we we do it and it's just phenomenal and people of course if people find out i have it they go and steal that out of my cupboard so you just gotta <laughs> yeah. watch it yeah but anyway going back to spaghetti you guys it is it, it we were blown away by how the flavor came out in this spaghetti sauce that was you could tell you could tell it was cooked and crispier than normal spaghetti it was a different feel to the taste and the texture and it was just fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's kind of the consistency of a of a lasagna, uh, but wow, that sounds yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, you guys, the flavor would just rock. It was just right there. Fresh grated Parmesan cheese on top, and then you got oh. that smoke flavor in there. You yeah. got you got uh, those three different kinds of meats in there. That right. sounds absolutely phenomenal. 
and you got the iron pan thing going on. Oh that yeah, doesn't... you get that the extra cook around the edges there. Get a little crispy, right. crispy. That is yep. phenomenal, man. That sounds so good. I feel like uh, that's definitely an example of what I want for my last meal for sure. Right on. All right, awesome. Well, Pappy, uh, things are going good with Pappy Dogs, yep. and uh, if folks, if you haven't had a Pappy Dog, you got to get out and have one. They've got the the flavors of the Pappy Dogs are absolutely amazing. If you go to your grocery store and they don't have Pappy Dogs, get a comment card, fill it out, let them know we want Pappy Dogs at our store, and you can make that happen. Uh, all right, folks, we got to take another quick break. When we come back, the bug out bag and what you need. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back. The Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Thanks to Pappy for that amazing recipe. You know, baked spaghetti. It just sounds so good. I yeah. love it. Yeah, it reminds me, honestly, of uh, lasagna, but uh, but I'm sure it tastes even better than that. <laughs> it just sounds amazing. Absolutely. And just the words... Homemade spaghetti sauce is, you know, something that just is amazing to me. Dunzo. All right, so today on the show we're talking about, uh, we have been talking about things to consider when building a bunker. You know, uh, we mentioned this before earlier in the show that building a fallout shelter or a bunker or a, you know, a blast shelter, all these sorts of things are not really DIY type things. Uh, I don't think most people would venture into a project of building a bunker so but they definitely will be talking about it yes it's, and that's kind of what we're covering in the show is thing to con- things to consider uh when building a bunker or having having a bunker built so we covered that but you know tony you made a good point earlier to me during the break you said well, what happens when you leave what happens when you have to leave right you're forced to leave or what if you don't uh you, you don't want to hunker down and go into your bunker or you don't have a bunker but you need to get out of dodge right that's the decision that you have to make it's a very big decision preppers talk about it all the time are you going to hunker down or are you going to bug out and uh making that decision we talked in the last uh segment uh, before pappy we talked about those five things that you, or six things that you have to consider uh when you're deciding whether you're going to hunker down or, or bug out and and so um in the event that you have decided that getting out and leaving behind all of the things that you own and have worked so hard for, you've decided that the only way you're going to survive is, is getting out. Um, that's when you have a whole new set of decisions to make and, uh, and making sure that you're properly prepared to do that is what we're going to talk about next. Right. And we're going to talk about putting together a bug out bag. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of names for it. A 72 hour bag, a get out of Dodge bag. A or, go fast bag. Yeah, go fast. People call them different things, but essentially what it is, it's a, a bag designed to have all of the things that you need to keep you alive for at least 72 hours. And 72 hours, I think, is the key because the first 72 hours after a disaster is the time 
where everybody is making chaos. A, yeah, it's chaotic, but that's while everybody is making arrangements for the future, right? It takes time to get the cavalry on board, right? It takes time to get um, all of the um, the infrastructure um, sort of started to rebuild to start getting people food and water and shelter and all the things. There's a time period there where the danger is at its most, right? It's when you're unprepared and the damage is taking place and you have to be uh, able to survive during that first time period. Obviously, it would be great to build a bag that would last you three weeks, but it's not feasible to have that on your person and being out in the wild or in the open or uh, without all of your security. So so in what we're talking about is a 72-hour bag and uh, and the things that would need to be in that in the event of uh, a natural disaster or other types of things. Um, we're, we're thinking about right now, this time of year, this is happening. Um, this is happening right now in other states besides where we are right now. Um, homes are being flooded uh, and havoc is being wreaked. Uh, vehicles and roads and medical facilities, resource supply chains, all of those things are defunct and not working properly. Food and water and fuel and electricity, all of that stuff is not available in those situations. These are not things that are far-fetched from reality. This is what's happening to people today uh, in the United States and all over the world, really, and you need to be prepared beforehand. Trying to get prepared during a disaster type situation is too late, folks. It's too late. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Tony. These are very real threats that can happen. Power plants going down, uh, pipelines exploding, um, man-made structures and facilities, you know, falling down or crumbling down, um, 9-11, that kind of stuff, right? It, it, it can happen at any time and it's not obviously planned. And so... You have to go through the steps to make a list and and to practice and to have a, a a bag that would get you through that time. That's that's really what we're talking about. That's that's preparing. That's being prepared. And this is National Preparedness Month, and that's why we're talking about this stuff. Yeah, you're right. So let's go over some of those things. What are some of the things that you would put or consider putting into your bag? I think first of all, you'd have to consider uh, who do you have with you? Do you have kids? Do you have a spouse? Do you have pets? Is everybody going to have their own bag? Is uh, just the adults? Are the kids going to carry something? Are you going to take your pet? Uh, these are the things you should probably consider when you're putting together your first bag. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, the very first thing you have to consider is the bag itself. Uh, you don't want to get a bag that's too big. Um, experts say 25% of your body weight is probably the maximum amount that you want to try to carry. And that's, of course, assuming that you're physically fit and um, and, and not going to be held back by your own uh, physical condition, right? Right. So 25% of your weight. So you got to size the bag and you want to use it to its, to its most potential, but you also don't want to have something that is too flashy or lets the people around you know, hey, this guy's prepared. Let's go get what he's got. That's uh, that's really all we're going to need, right? <laughs> totally. Uh, you know, it's kind of reminds me of the old saying, you don't have to be able to outrun a bear if it's chasing you. You just need to be able to outrun the guy next to you. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't have to necessarily be faster than the disaster. You just need to be faster than the guy next to you. Uh, or you don't need to be fully prepared. You just need to be uh, more prepared than the guy next to you, right? Um, you got any but, more analogies there? No, that's it. I got, that's all I got. Um, so, uh, so it's important to have something that looks very basic and yet has everything inside of it that you need. You don't want, you don't want to get too flashy, right? Totally. All right. So let's go over some of the most important things. And I think probably number one on the list is shelter. You have to consider what it's like outside and what you need to be prepared for. Right. And I don't know about you, Tony, but when was the last time you slept outside under the stars? Uh, <laughs> uh, I can't remember the last time. It's been a long time, huh? Yeah. Well, I've done it, and I've done it recently. And I tell you what, it gets cold outside. Oh, yeah. Even in the middle of summer. Mm -hmm. It gets very cold at night. So you have to consider uh, what time of year it is. You know, you got to have everything in your bag to prepare to sleep in probably the coldest. Yeah, they make those little um, very small compact emergency blankets. It's like a, looks like a thin sheet of foil, uh, which is going to be better than nothing, right? Yeah, but even more importantly than that, you'd probably want to be able to start a fire. Yeah, I'll tell you what, have you started a fire uh, without matches and some dry wood? No. I mean, I never. I've never used a, a striker or a bow drill or a plow or there's so many ways to make fire. I have, I would have, I've seen it done, but I've never had to do it. So yeah, I've seen naked and afraid. Yeah. It's uh, I, and that's no joke. Uh, having to have a fire is something that uh, you will want to be prepared for. So you wouldn't just throw one means of starting a fire. You wouldn't just have a, a book of matches. You have a book of matches. You have a striker. You know, you've got a lighter or two or three lighters. You need to have something inside there that you know is going to burn, even if it's wet. Here's one really good tip, Corey. Cotton balls soaked in petroleum jelly. The way I understand it, it will burn very hot for like two or three, maybe four minutes, give you an opportunity to get something more on top of that to really start a good fire. And it works even if it's wet. That's a very good tip. And it doesn't take up very much space. So you could definitely have something like that in your bag. Um, we know that the experts say that re redundancy is, uh, is key. So you don't want to just have one means of doing something. You want to have multiple means of doing something. That's a very good tip. Hey, we, I know that we have got a lot of stuff to cover, a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be in this bag, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more stuff for your bug-out bag in case of that disaster. You're listening to Tony Corey, your Weekend Warriors. Don't go away. Warriors Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, Tony and I are talking about being prepared. And uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about things to consider when building a bunker. But uh, if you don't have a bunker, or if you gotta leave the bunker, the first thing you want to get and take with you is a bug out bag. Yeah. And uh, that's meant to keep you alive for at least 72 hours uh, or until the cavalry shows up. 
But uh, let's go over some of the items that uh, you really should have in there. Uh, we touched on a little bit. A shelter, a fire starting kit, an emergency blanket, Tony. Yeah. You know those emergency blankets, I think you mentioned it, they have kind of a foil face in there. Uh, a lot of the things that Columbia Clothing is making now has that foil yeah. on the inside. I love it. Keeps you so warm. Yeah, that reflective uh, that reflective property that it's got there uh, re- returns your body heat to you instead of letting it get away, and that's the the big key. Um, something to keep you dry, of course, a poncho. These are things, not folks, just uh, not just things, but things that can fit into a small compartment that you can put into this bag that will help you. A poncho to keep you uh, dry, of course. Um, a sleeping bag, but not your conventional sleeping bag, right? Because that's the size of your pack all by itself. But they make like an ultralight sleeping bag. Very small, condensed, fits in the bag nice. Yeah, sleeping bag is definitely a must. Uh, I also think that you should bring a tarp with you. Uh, a tarp is has many, many uses. You can use it as shelter. You can use it uh, to put things in and drag it. Uh, very, very useful. Um, I think... Even a tent is invaluable they make when some you're pretty, sleeping yeah. out in the, the wilderness. They make some pretty small little tents. You just have to keep in mind the, the space saver, right? It's got to fill, uh, take a tiny space in your bag. Um, you mentioned spare clothes earlier in a conversation we were having, but I'm thinking to myself, in a survival situation, the clothes that I've got on my back are probably going to work. And if I'm trying to save space inside my bag, I'm probably not going to have spare clothes. I'm just going to make what I've got on work for 72 hours. Mm, not me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a hat and some gloves. That what I would have in the bag. But I don't think, uh, I don't have spare t-shirt or, uh, you know, skivvies are just going to have to go for 72 hours <laughs> to make it happen. Well, I think more importantly, you want to bring layers. That's what I would say. More important than, than extra clothes, like more clothes. That makes sense. You can wrap uh, You can wrap a sweatshirt or a jacket around your waist if you're too warm, um, maybe around your head or around your bag. Um, but uh, don't get too don't get too crazy with extra clothes, I think. Totally. Now when it comes to food and water, I mean, food and water are very, very important. We have different opinions on this. I think you should bring uh, water. Tony thinks that you don't need to and that you should just bring a filter. Uh, the fact is that if you were to put a 16-ounce bottle of water in your bag and then you drink that, well, it's gone. And you still have to survive with, uh, you know, for the next, uh, whatever it is, three days. So I think that if you focus on the bottle with a filter, if you want to have that bottle full when you leave, fine. Um, But extra water is not necessary. It's going to take up too much space. You're going to find water. You can filter it and you can drink that when you get to it. See, I think you should bring both. Bring a little bit of water and bring a water filtration system uh, and maybe even some purification tablets uh, along with your canteen. That way you are you are prepared for anything. You're going to put some sort of food in there, of course, some sort of rations. Um, it could be like MREs, meals ready to eat or something like that, but probably something with high in protein or uh, something that's going to get as much of that stuff inside your body as you need, but takes up a small space. Probably the last couple things you need for food and water is obviously food, some sort of MREs or some sort of rations. Uh, but a can opener and some eating utensils. Uh, depending on where you are or where you're heading, you might come across food. You know, if you've ever seen The Walking Dead, you know, 
<laughs> you know, find some food somewhere at a grocery store, you'd have at it. I think uh, for those of us that feel like we would be able to survive if we had to, like we're we're outgoing, you know, self-capable, we feel like we're going to go out there and we're going to kill a deer or a squirrel or a rabbit or whatever, and we're going to eat it. But I think that um, we probably have higher expectations of ourselves than we maybe would be able to live up to. Yeah, you're totally right. I think given a disaster situation, uh, the, the last thing probably on your mind is to go out and hunt more <laughs> <laughs> fish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I, I think that's a, a viable option, but I think it's probably pretty low on your list. Yeah, at uh, least under the, surviving. Yeah, at least you know? under the, in the first 72 hours for sure, right? There's going to be so much going on probably. Totally. Uh, you want to have that stuff with you. Uh, another really good thing to have, Corey, is an emergency radio. Yes, you have to be able to communicate in an emergency. We've talked about this before, Tony. In the event of a massive earthquake and the tsunami that will hit shortly after that, uh, that we know of as the Cascadian subduction zone, all communications, all electricity, everything will be out. You won't be able to use your cell phone to communicate. You won't be able to make phone calls. You'll have to communicate using... A radio. Uh, a ham radio is actually something that almost anybody can use, but I didn't know this, Tony. You're supposed to have a license to be able to use it. Oh, really? No, I did not know that either. I, I've Like a CB? We're talking about like a CB? No, a CB like, is like different. Like breaker, breaker? No, it's different. Ham radio has a long distance. Uh, a lot of people use it, but in the event of an emergency... You can totally use it. Oh, even without a license? Without a license. Well, I would certainly think that uh, there probably isn't going to be anybody out there writing tickets for using a ham radio if uh, if you're on the brink of disaster. Or in a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that would be definitely something to have. You want to stay informed and you want to stay in communication with uh, other people that are out there that might have good tips to help you stay alive. Absolutely. You also want a flashlight, a survival whistle. A compass? Tony, do you know how to use a compass? I do. I do actually used to hunt for uh, for a long, long time with my family and uh, had some very good lessons learned how to use a compass. I do. What about a map? What are your thoughts on a map? <laughs> I do not know how to use a map. I think, uh, honestly, that a map is probably going to be one of the last things I would need in my bag because I'm not traveling to South Dakota you know, in the event of an emergency, I'm going to go the shortest distance possible to find safety for me and my family. And it's not going to require a map because the map is not going to tell you the condition of the place where you're going. You are just going to go to a place. You're going to go until you find a place that's safe. I don't think you just choose a place on a map and travel to that spot. Well, but what? If, think about this situation. What if you're in a metropolitan area and you hear over your ham radio that there are National Guard uh, in this location. And you're like, okay, I'm going to jump in my car. I'm going to drive there. You get 10 minutes over and the bridge is out or the road is washed out or something to that effect. And you cannot make it through. Don't you think you would want a map to be able to route another way around to get there? Well, maybe, but I think I would just turn to the 750,000 people that are beside me in the same situation and say, hey, have you ever heard of this place? Let's go there. You know what I would do? No. I would carry a $2 map. Would you? 
<laughs> well, I guess a map doesn't take up a lot of space in your uh, go fast bag, so uh, it wouldn't hurt to have it in there. Uh, <laughs> it just might not be my number one thing. Um, but I'll tell you what, light is important. You mentioned a flashlight or a headlamp. Those, of course, run on batteries. Uh, those may, um, over the course of your 72 hours, run out. Uh, a good thing to have is some chemical light sticks. In the event of just needing to have light in a space for a long period of time, those don't take up a lot of space and they don't use the battery uh, that you would need for your flashlight or for your headlamp. Yeah, another thing that probably would be overlooked would be a signal mirror. Just mm -hmm. having a small mirror that if there's a plane flying overhead, you can flash that thing in the sun back and forth and you'd be surprised how far somebody can see that. Honestly, I don't think I would even think to grab a mirror in an instance like that, but uh, that does seem like a really good thing to have. Um, there is the possibility that the situation that you're in hasn't affected cell towers and maybe your cell phone will still work, but it won't work when the battery dies. So a good thing to have in there would be a cell phone cable or something that you can recharge the phone with, or maybe even a pre-charged battery charger that you have in your bag uh, in the event that phone lines or cell towers are still standing. Yeah. I mean, it, you never know. It just depends on the disaster that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the next section of things that we need to be talking about are things that you would need in the event that you maybe are injured or get injured out there uh, trudging through the forest or um, wrestling with uh, with nature, you Bears. just you know, yeah, or you never know what's going to happen out there. Or coming across somebody that is injured. Yikes! Yeah, you might have to use your stuff to help somebody else. We're going to cover those items as soon as we come back. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Improvement show built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us today in the show. We're talking about emergency preparedness, and uh, it is Emergency Preparedness Month. So Tony and I are taking a different view or a different angle, looking at being prepared and uh, building an emergency bunker is uh, definitely something that some people will do. Yep. Definitely something that. A lot of people won't do. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to be prepared. And so now we're talking about having a bug out bag. Yeah. And that all that is is a bag full of all the stuff to keep you alive for at least 72 hours. Yeah. So we were talking about uh, protection from the environment, food and water, communication, flashlights, those sorts of things. What about first aid? Yeah, absolutely a necessity. If you cut yourself... Uh, you, you have to be able to treat that, keep it clean. And um, so you need to have a first aid kit in there. And there's lots of things in a first aid kit, tape and gauze and band-aids and antibiotic and all of that stuff. You need to have a first aid kit. 
Uh, you would add to that a few other things. You want to have a tourniquet in case of a really bad cut or a break, and you want to keep uh, from too much blood getting out there. So a tourniquet is a good thing to have. Another thing in case of a break is a little splint. Another good thing to have, Corey, is quick clot. What in the world is quick clot? What spray you can put on a, a small cut to keep it from bleeding, or maybe even a, a little bit larger cut to keep it from bleeding. It uh, it aids your blood in clotting quickly. I would need that, especially. I have pretty thin blood, so uh, pretty that, would, thin skin too. that would help me a lot. Um, those are for, you know, injuries. You also want to have bug repellent in there for sure. Bug repellent, maybe double or triple the quantity of bug repellent you want. I do not um, like getting bit by bugs. 100% DEET. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing you want to take with you is a hygiene kit. Uh, you know, it, people take that for granted, but it is super important to have a good hygiene, especially when you're out uh, where there's disease. And if you're, you know, you just want to be clean. Yeah, you, you want to be able to brush your teeth is what you're saying. Yeah, essentially. Right. And you want to have deodorant and that sort of thing. You don't want to, you want to be in a disaster, but you don't want to look and smell like you're in a disaster. Well, you don't want to be a single guy getting rescued by, <laughs> you know, some single, uh, you never know who you're going to meet. Yeah, they're going to be like, hey, brushed your teeth in a while? <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, you won't have to worry about that if you got a hygiene kit in there. A wet naps, of course, uh, definitely something to have. Those, uh, that's self-explanatory. Um... Here's something, Corey, that uh, we haven't talked about, uh, a multi-tool. This is something that does, wow, so many different things. It's got little scissors in there, um, bottle opener and knife or cutting, whatever. But a multi-tool is, and pliers even in that thing, multi-tool is a necessity for sure. Absolutely. I think a folding knife and a fixed blade knife, uh, paracord, even some duct tape. I wouldn't bring a whole roll of duct tape. But, you know, probably a flattened down roll would be ideal. Yeah. Duct tape is invaluable in so many situations. Uh, I think you mentioned this earlier, or mentioned this earlier, batteries, yep. uh, maybe even a solar charger. That's a really good idea. I don't know where to get one of those, but I definitely would want Amazon. one. Uh, zip ties is a good one. We saw uh, uh, zip ties that can be reused. You zip it down, you can press a little le release lever, release the zip tie, and then reuse it again. Those are good to have. A bandana um, and a pocket survival guide. Do you think you would use a pocket survival guide? I do. Well, you know what, especially I would need probably a pocket first aid guide because I don't know what to do in a lot of those situations. If somebody has a broken leg, you know, sure, splinted. I've seen that on TV, but you know, you would probably know more than me. You did some volunteer firefighting. Well, here's what I would tell you uh, since we are preparing. Maybe you get out and get your first aid training so that you have that. That way you don't have to carry the first aid guide. Instead, you'll just know. That would be a good thing for you to do to prepare. Or I could link up with you. Or that. <laughs> Another good thing to have is something to protect your hands. You use your hands for everything, of course. So a pair of uh, durable gloves. Um, we saw some gloves that uh, withstand heat. So if you're working with fire and that sort of a thing... Um, Probably not a bad thing to have. Yeah, that'd be a great thing to have. Dust mask. You never know what you're going to be breathing out there. You might even want to have a, a gas mask in some situations. Absolutely. Maybe even some uh, protective eyewear. You're going to need that when you start reaching for your tools and the other things that you need in order to cut wood and build fire and all of those things. So eye protection will be helpful, especially when you bust out your urban axe and start chopping down a tree that you plan to burn for 
heat. Or build a cabin. <laughs> or build a cabin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a pry bar, maybe. I don't know what you would be prying, but you might need it. Well, maybe a candy machine. Oh, you, know, you come across you got... a candy machine. Are you suggesting that there will be some looting? There will for sure be looting. <laughs> you don't necessarily... But for survival. If it is for survival, then that is a different situation, but... I will we're... need a 50-inch flat screen after the... We disaster. are not condoning looting in the, uh, in the event of a natural disaster at all. Um, but you might have to find shelter... Um, if, if, and when it comes to that and something that helps you get into a place that is abandoned, otherwise, um, a pry bar or a breaching tool might be something you would use. Yeah. Moving on to some more survival gear, uh, you might want to bring a camping hammock. They fold down really tight and it'll get you up off the ground where, you know, you're, you're going to conserve heat by not laying directly on the wet ground. If that's the case, uh, what about a pocket chainsaw? That just sounds really cool. I mean, I can imagine a pocket saw, um, but I don't know why it would have a chain on it. Uh, <laughs> this seems weird, but uh, definitely a saw in the event that your axe is not working for you or uh, you are doing some work that's a little bit smaller. Maybe a little saw would be a good. A folding saw would be good. Um, a fishing kit would be good. It, you know, I don't know if that's going to come into play in the first 72 hours, but um, going forward, maybe you would need that. Um, a shovel, definitely. A small little compact spade that you could use to mm, dig a hole for a multitude of reasons. Well, and if you're fishing, you'll definitely want a fillet knife because have you ever tried to fillet a fish? If you caught a fish and tried to fillet it without a fillet knife, it would just butcher it. Yeah, I I have not. I definitely, I feel like that I would um, just use any knife, cut it at the bottom and try to get the stuff out of the inside. And then I would just put the whole thing on a stick and put it in a fire. Um, But then, you know, what do I know? (laughs) Um, what about you? We talked about coming across other people, other people that are in the same situation that we're in and everybody is trying to survive. There is a possibility folks that you're going to come across someone who is not as caring or loving or friendly as you are. And a lot of people that maybe are not good people might be looking to better their situation by taking advantage of your situation. So I feel like you do need to have some means of self-defense in the event of a survival situation. I mean, nobody likes to think about that, right? You don't want to think about having to deal with that situation, and yet that doesn't mean that you won't be presented with it. Right. And if you don't feel comfortable carrying a handgun or a rifle or a shotgun, uh, even pepper spray would be a good choice to have. Absolutely. Pepper spray is a good idea. It doesn't cause lasting damage, and yet... It will get someone to leave you alone, most likely, if it's used right. The last couple of things on our list is th- two things that are very important. Cash. You want to have cash with you in case you encounter a situation where you need to pay somebody. Uh, just because there's a disaster doesn't mean people won't respond to cash. Uh, the other things you really want to make sure you have are copies of all of your identification with you and pictures of your family. Uh, The last thing on there is to make sure that you have your prescription medication if it is necessary. Absolutely. 
current pictures of your family specifically because if you get separated from them, you need to have a means of describing them without trying to draw a picture of them for somebody. So having current pictures of your family members can be key in, in the event of that situation. Nope, absolutely right. Well, that's all we got for you, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate having you. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week.